almost a full year of like month themes. Have we? I thought we've only done like three. No, we've been going since January. What are the themes we've done so far? Uh, so January was 2020s. So we did RRR and right, Megan. Right. Um, then we did Killer Robots. Oh, was that a whole theme? Well, because that transferred from your Megan, yes. and then I went. Okay, so that was just to X Machina. So it was like yeah. a, it was like a, a take off, a secondary. Sure. Um, and then we did animal movies with Babe and Porco Rosso. Oh, Pig Week, Pig Month, Pig Month. Uh, then we did Keanu Month. Keanu Month with John Wick, and then your uh, similar movie of Old Boy. Oh, so that was less Keanu Month I and guess. more you wanted to watch John Wick, and I did something similar. Yes. It started out as Keanu Month. Um, and then we did Canadian Month. Right, right. With Anna Green Gables and the Changeling. And then we did Summer Month with the Parent Trap and Talented Mr. Ripley. Oh. And then we did Aquatic Month with Moana and today's movie. Which is? Uh, Song of the Sea. All right. Well, I think that's a good opening. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. My name is Indy Old Boy Randawa, and with me is Samantha Moana Randawa. <laughs> That's me. We actually, your name has been Moana Randawa twice now. Yes, it has. Because <laughs> we all are Moana. I am Moana. And like Samantha said, today we are going to be talking all about the animated film Song of the Sea from 2014, I think. Not that 2022 one. So if you watch that in preparation for this, um, you're sorry? wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know if that's good too. But that's not what we're going to talk about. So this is going to be a spoiler filled episode. And Samantha had picked Moana, like she said, for our <laughs> aquatic theme. And not just going with water, I went with something that had a lot of the similar themes as Moana about someone who goes on a journey, which is both to the underworld and through self-discovery. And a lot of that is has to do with a link to storytelling, particularly folklore and their own ancestry. And I thought there were a lot of similar themes in these two, so I picked Song of the Sea. I had seen this when it came out and not since. I remembered oh. loving it. I remember loving the animation specifically. I remembered it, the music being kind of haunting and memorable. And I think all of that holds up, and I do still love this movie. But the titular question, Samantha, <laughs> I love this movie. Did you? I love this movie. Isn't it so good? It was so good. It was so beautiful, too. Mm -hmm. Like, the story and everything aside, I could have just looked at this movie without like following the story it was just gorgeous it is and it's odd that all of the posters for it or i guess it's not odd they feature the characters so heavily that you miss out on how beautiful the landscapes and all of the other stuff in the animation is because mm -hmm. the character the character design is very good but i don't think that's where the style of this film really comes through yeah, the um, background almost seems to like move and change as you're watching it. Mm -hmm. Like even though it's rocks and like the night sky, everything has this like movement to it, which makes it seem even more magical than already this magical story is. So I was really impressed with that. And I really enjoyed um, the second time we watched it, uh, just 
watching the background and watching everything kind of shift and change and how that made it seem like um, everything was kind of alive. Movies like this definitely gain something on a second viewing because the first time through, we're just experiencing the story and Mm. the story is great. It is a a very good script, a very Mm. good story. But when you watch it the second time through, you have a chance to notice things like those visual motifs that go on throughout it. And for me, the first watching, I came up with this theory and I was like, oh, you know what? I think this. And then the second viewing is like, oh, yeah, they're just saying that straight out. I didn't (laughs) figure anything out. They very blatantly say most of this. I'm not as clever as I thought, which is a theme of my life. (laughs) So how should we go about this? We, I don't know. We could go kind of uh, chronologically if you want to walk us through the plot that way. Or we can go kind of thematically. But then I would have to kind of start off at the beginning with what I think the big metaphors and allegory of this film are. Mm-hmm. And then we just go from there. I think we go through with themes and allegory. First, I should give you an opportunity. Did you find any big fun themes in this one? Yeah, I think one thing that I really enjoyed in this movie was the idea of kind of your heritage, I guess, and like your family members that might not be with you anymore, how that's always tied to you and always kind of pulls you back to where you're from like your roots sometimes it just calls you back to the water exactly mm-hmm. and um i really enjoyed um the idea that sersha it's like inevitable for her that she's going to get called to the water and that she's gonna have to kind of embrace or kind of deal with her um sulkiness and um something is gonna have to happen you can't just ignore it and i think that was such a beautiful way of saying like you are who you are and you kind of even if you don't always know it you can always go back and you will gain something from going back exactly and that um your like past has is just like full of lessons and things that you might not know but you're like your heart knows it and i really enjoyed that that's definitely one i want to get into but maybe we should start off with a big overall thing and then we can get into those ideas of um, heritage and folklore and how that's a uh, a strengthening element for these characters about dealing with grief about the song itself it is mm-hmm. after all called the song of the sea but i think we have to start off with uh, just kind of a brief overview of the big allegories and metaphors and then we can go specifically through them sure So I think overall, this movie is made in a way where there is this, we'll call it like the fantasy world, the Mm -hmm. fairies and the selkies and all of that. There is this fantasy world, which is always an analog for the real world. And they use it as a mirror, mostly depicting how people deal with grief. But then we also get into all of those other fun uh, storytelling elements, Mm -hmm. too. So this is happening on... Uh, Samhain, Halloween, when people believed that the veil between the spirit world and our world is the thinnest. And these mirrors kind of go throughout the movie. First off, of course, we have uh, MacLear, the story about a man who 
I don't know if he's like a fairy or a giant or something, but he's a, a, a legend mm-hmm. who cried so much and then that it made the oceans rise and his mother, to deal with it, went to take his emotions from him and in doing so turned him into stone. And of course, that mirrors Connor, the father in the story, who has become essentially stone. He has refused to deal with his emotions, largely due to his own upbringing and what his mother has instilled in him that you just, you get over it, just move on. You don't need to deal with these things. Mm -hmm. And that has robbed him, likewise, of his emotions and humanity to some extent, right? Yeah. And all of the characters, oh, not all of the characters, most of the characters have a fairy world analog. There's Maka for the grandma, McLear for uh, Connor. Yeah. Saoirse is almost paired with her mother's character because Saoirse still so. is in the Human real form. world. Yeah. We're, we're quoting a lot here, but you can't <laughs> see it. And the mother has returned to the, the fairy world. Mm-hmm. And even the fairy driver, I can't even remember his name, but he has that the long-haired kind of fairy character. Yes, yeah. And all of these characters have the same voice actors and the same design, so it's not like I'm stretching here. That's uh, Mm -hmm. very clearly what they're doing. But let's talk about how each of those works. Like with that fairy driver, you could say that he tends to break their isolation, right? He is the, the link between the lighthouse island and the mainland because he's bringing them back and forth in a very literal way yes. <laughs> and then the fairy analog has these literal links to stories he's linked to the stories because they grow out of his face and head and every yeah. hair is a tale and when ben finds those he finds a link to his own past so mm-hmm. that character is working as a, a, a linking agent i guess right But let's talk about maybe the song, because it's called Song of the Sea, and that seems like a good place to start. Yeah. First, how do you like the song? I love it. It's such a cool, like, piece of, I guess, like, Irish folklore sounding song. I'm not sure if it's like a real song that exists in folklore, but I really enjoyed it because it does kind of feel like a song of, like, your ancestors or, like whoever you're singing about like the fairies it's kind of mystical and like almost creepy when it's sung in some ways and I think that um it was such a cool uh song to bring in right from the beginning and to kind of weave through the entire movie yeah I think it works on a bunch of different levels first just as that uh that audio cue that Mm -hmm. links the entire movie together I love when there are themes and motifs that carry through that way But then it also kind of works as a surrogate voice for Saoirse Mm -hmm. because she can't speak. And this is her song, even though she's not really singing it throughout. Well, I guess her journey is finding out that this is her song, that this is all of their song, but she doesn't know it at first. And it's also that personal connection for Ben to his mother because that's where he learned it. It was kind of his lullaby. Yeah. And then it's also that connection to ancestry and to Irish Irish mythology. And through those metaphors, it becomes also a symbol for emotion and through emotion healing. Mm-hmm. 
Because at first, uh, Ben keeps the stories and the song to himself. He's very selfish with it because mm-hmm. this is his link to his mother. And whether or not he realizes it, it seems that Ben is blaming Sirsha for the loss of his mother. Yes. Because she arrived when... Uh, the mother His left. Mother left, yeah. And this also kind of gets into all of those really complex issues that must go on with someone who loses a mother but then gains a sibling mm-hmm. or loses a wife and then gains a child because it's kind of the most bittersweet thing you could imagine to yes. lose someone but then gain someone else. And there must be all sorts of feelings of blaming that mm-hmm. child who had no choice, of course, or... Just like guilt? Yeah, guilt. For not being able to like fully be there for their child or whoever's left behind. And they do get into that sort of thing because it seems that Connor has essentially abandoned his son Mm -hmm. emotionally and has nothing to do with him and is placing all of his fatherly kind of emotion onto his daughter because she is now a stand-in for his, we don't know, missing, dead, whatever, not present wife. Do you think that she died? Or do you think that she left to go be a Selkie? Oh, I th- well, she comes back at the end. Yeah. And I think in the sequence when he goes and finds the story in the hair, he sees it all. And it seems like, yeah, she turns into a seal. Right. right? I think so. Did you? What do you think? I thought that maybe in like it was like. I was thinking about it as like it was really rough labor and her only way of continuing to live was to go to her, like her selkie form. So she's like forced to live, to leave. Okay. That's kind of what I was thinking. But like also just she could have died and become a selkie. Right. Or you could really, you could look at this entire movie as this is a story about a mother who dies and then everyone dealing with the grief and all of the fairy stuff is Mm -hmm. just a metaphor for that. So yeah. you could say that that is the very surface and everything else is just made up by these children trying to deal with and process their trauma. Right. That makes perfect sense too. But because the movie does give us those insights and we do have the ending where the mother comes back, I assume she just went back to the sea. I think it is part of Selkie lore that it's like seven years you get. Right. I think that's an actual thing. So it would have been about seven years, judging by how old Ben was in the first part, Mm -hmm. that she had been on land and had to return. And then it is Saoirse's sixth birthday when she gets to the point where she has to return to. So I think there might be something to that. I don't really know that much about all of the Irish folklore, but I think that has something to do with it as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, to link it back to the song we were talking about, when this song is kind of representative of her Selkie heritage, or it can be a metaphor for people forgetting their own heritage, just Mm -hmm. the, the Irish folklore, whether it's, we, of course, we have this magical extension of ancestry into the the Selkie world, but she needs to connect to her heritage And in doing so, also reconnect others who have lost that bond, as is represented by the stone elves. There's a word for them in Gaelic, but I can't remember what it was. Gaelic words are tricky for me to remember. You hear them once. Yeah, and they're not spelled like they look. So yeah, you can't just read it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
And I think when she does start speaking for the first time, it is this song that she says. Well, I guess first she says Ben. She says the word Ben twice, mm-hmm. which is, of course, a link to family. But then she speaks in Gaelic before she's able to speak in English. And she is mimicking Ben because he's the one teaching her the song just as his mother had taught him. And there he is very consciously giving Saoirse part of her Selkie or just Irish heritage and is finally sharing what his mother had taught him with her. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also going into those ideas of it is upon us to share our heritage with the next generation, share everything that you have been taught Mm -hmm. or else it, it dies and people will lack that bond. And in this case, that would look like Saoirse being mute. Yeah. Because she needed to be reintroduced to that to, to gain a voice. Yeah. Um, I thought she was super cute, too. <laughs> like, Oh, so cute. She's so cute. And there's little facial expressions and stuff. And um, I thought she matched really well with the seals. Yes. Like, also super cute. Super cute. And there's not a lot else in this movie um, that are that's like super super cute like those two like Sersha and the seals and so you can kind of see in the beginning um that they're gonna be paired up somehow yeah yeah even before you know the whole story and I really love her character design of course it is like as cute as you can get but there is this cute way that um, like Pixar or Disney will do things where it's just kind of like hitting you over the head with cute Mm -hmm. and it's just too much like of course i love that character look how you designed them and this isn't that far from that because she has the the big eyes and everything like that but it's a much more simplified cute i guess yeah absolutely i think all i'm saying is i love her character design it's so cute she's so cute um i really liked how simple all of sorry this is kind of off topic but like how simple all the animation was um because it really let the rest of the background I guess which seems like not a great enough word for what the background was like it felt like you really got to see the like mysticism and everything else because they were so simply drawn I love the backgrounds in this because of course this is 2D animation so you won't have that that depth that you get in those vistas we would see in Moana but what they did so well here is they used a lot of texture in mm-hmm. the different layers. So it gave you a good uh, feeling of depth. It kind of reminds me of that really simple style of animation. I guess uh, the most simple version is in South Park, where it's yeah. just like literal construction paper on other paper. Yeah, But you can see a little bit of actual depth to it that way. And I think this does that to as good of an effect as you can. Plus, they play with light and glowing things. So Mm -hmm. it gives this 2D animation a three-dimensional feel, but it doesn't lose any of that that artistry Mm -hmm. of hand-drawn 2D animation. And that's why I prefer this to something as good-looking as Moana. The most beautiful things of something like Moana look like the real world. Like, wow, that beach looks real. And that's impressive in a very technical way, but it lacks a certain amount of it's a guess it's a different kind of artistry mm-hmm. i don't want to say there's no artistry in that because you're making it look real and that's very difficult to do yes. <laughs> but in animation i appreciate something that looks 
intentional and thought out and not real because it is animation. If mm. I wanted photorealistic, I have photos. Yeah. If I'm watching an animated feature, I prefer things that look like this, that have a style to them and carry that style throughout and have such attention to detail that you can take any frame of this mm-hmm. movie and it's a poster. It looks beautiful. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It just, all the little details really bring out such a magical feel. Especially when they had those underwater sequences. Yes, yeah. Those were gorgeous. And then at the end with the the song essentially glowing and making sort of a... Um, aurora borealis like effect yeah, through that, that was, was very very great. cool and they had those ideas of um circles versus sharp straight lines scenes with circles tended to deal with a uh, warmth and happiness and peace and unity and then when you go into the city you're seeing all these straight lines and mm-hmm. pointed corners and the kids feel much less at ease in that world yeah also how rounded everything was it reminded me of like a child's drawing yeah you know how like there's an innocence yeah when you're first learning to draw you're not using all of those really straight lines and everything it's a lot more like bubbly and like cursive looking than um what an adult would probably draw and i think that kind of says something Mm -hmm. too because this movie is about how the more innocent, the more youthful are able to look past those constructions of adults who yeah. are trying to like rob things of their emotion and put you in a city and take away those more spiritual links while the children are more about that kind of world, about the natural world, about the spiritual world, about the rounded, playful-looking world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and I guess just to finish up, we were talking about the song a little bit ago, but at the end of the movie, we get different music and one of the few other songs we have. And now the song goes on while the family is adding to the mural that Ben and his mother had been making earlier and making the story come full uh, full circle. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, like those memories that he had have not only not been erased, but kind of have been restored in his journey to the underworld. Mm-hmm. He's gained new memories, essentially, of um, what actually did happen back then, but also new memories in his journey and his link with his sister now, and new music, and they are adding on to that story. They're both aware of their past and continuing those traditions, which, Mm -hmm. again, links into all of that. uh, Don't forget where you came from, but even if you do, it's always there for you. Yeah, exactly. Which, again, very Moana, too. Very Moana. But this was before Moana. (laughs) So Moana is very Song of the Sea. Very Song of the Sea. I can see why these we paired these together. You paired these together, I guess. And it is fun watching a movie, two movies that have similar themes because you're already kind of in that mindset. You're Mm -hmm. looking for those things. And they are, yeah, both very present and well done in both of these movies. Yeah, I agree. Well, then maybe for the next big theme, we can talk about the idea of burying emotions and not dealing with grief. Because I think that might be, I think those two things are the biggest themes of the movie, uh, Bearing your emotions and not dealing with it and 
reconnecting with your ancestry, but they are connected as well because I think this movie is positing that reconnecting with your family and history is a part of uh, dealing with emotions and healing. And you could probably even extrapolate that into like generational trauma and how Mm -hmm. one can overcome that. And it is often using those same things, going back into those previous generations and gaining the strength from that too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't make the connection between Mackler and uh, Connor, but... But it makes sense now, right? It totally makes sense. And Connor at the beginning of the movie is totally closed off and like has turned to stone in like the emotional sense. And if I th- you watch it, he does not talk to Ben except for yelling at him once or twice yeah. for the first 90% of this movie. Wow. Ben comes and says, dad, dad, dad. And he just doesn't he even notice he's there. Yeah. That's crazy. But yeah, I um, I liked that parallel and I liked how they brought um, that folklore bit into it, um, into this like real life situation that could totally have happened um in a real world yeah so to just uh, recap mcclear was a sea guardian something like that mm-hmm. and uh he had some tragedy we don't actually know what it is i'm sure there is a story but in the movie we don't know and i haven't done my research so he has such grief he cries an ocean and rather than seeing him deal with this grief his mother maka the Owl witch? Owl witch. It took me a bit to figure out what they were actually saying. Oh, okay. Because of their accent. accent? Yeah. Um, Turns him into stone, or doesn't turn him into stone, rids him of his emotions, takes all of that grief and literally bottles it up. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, that turns him into stone. And from there, she goes on and continues to use these powers on others and you could say powers because she is trying to remove grief. And that is a, a good thing, you would think. But she's also removing all emotions. And that is not allowing people to move on in their life. And literally, in this case, not move because they become stone. Mm-hmm. She takes his emotions and his humanity and turns him into stone. And then in the real world of the movie, we have Connor who lost his wife to inexplicable reasons. One thing I'm not clear on is if he knew she was a Selkie. Because it seems like every... He he goes... He takes it upon himself to lock up the coat and throw it in the ocean and throw away the key. Mm -hmm. So I think he knew she was a Selkie um because of his like when they're painting the mural at the beginning he has this like oh yeah selkie great like he doesn't want to tell ben about the selkie lore and he doesn't really want him to know about any of that and then i think he's trying to save sersha from her mother's fate by throwing away the keys and the box and everything like he can stop this like inevitable transformation I think that might be it, That's too. That's kind of how I read it. Because then you could take that to be about how a um, a more a modern generation, they are 
moving to the cities. We're speaking English now. Mm-hmm. We're not speaking Gaelic. Or you can take this into so many other cultures as well. Yeah. That we are assimilating. And part of that is like, you know what? We're getting rid of all those old stories. We're not doing that sort of stuff anymore. We don't dress like that anymore. We're dressing like the people in the cities. Mm-hmm. And they're forgetting the, the heritage of that. And I think that works in your reading of him being aware, but wanting to be distant from it and yeah. wanting her to just like not be part of that. Like, you don't need to do that stuff anymore. Just be here with me. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the uh, the Selkie mythology is that sailors or, or whoever would take away the coat from the Selkie and lock it up and hide it because then she couldn't turn into a seal and would be either depending on the story, now your wife or your prisoner or a combination somewhere of the two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that is the lore and that kind of comes into into this as well. Yeah, I could see that. Um, it, it did seem like he wanted to just ignore the sulky side of his daughter and keep her safe, basically, by like denying that it was a thing. And that is uh, such a present thing in a lot of people yes. who come from uh, mixed race backgrounds and are living with one parent and the other, or the, and not the other. That might be something that yeah, you have to deal with. Exactly. And so many people like that maybe later in life have a, a rediscovery of this um, ancestry and culture mm. that had been hidden from them. That's something that happens all around the world. And I think this movie... Although maybe that's not its main focus, yeah. I think it's definitely something that you can read into it. I kind of feel like I'm going through something like that. Not that my past was hidden from me, but that it just wasn't as accessible. But you didn't have that connection yeah. because if you don't have someone telling you the mm-hmm. stories, it's up to you to go seek those things exactly. out. Exactly. Right? And that was like something that was like spoke to me and was like really powerful in this movie, mm-hmm. even though I'm not Irish. Or um, come from these specific traditions. It's definitely something that, yeah, is very across cultures. So many cultures can read about how, you know what? Yeah, the English kind of uh, (laughs) took a bunch of our stuff and now we're rediscovering it. Yeah. That's, we both, we all three of us have that in common. You, me, and Sersha. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember where we actually were, but we were just talking about the the analogy of, um, yeah of uh, McClear and Connor. And yes, Connor has uh, no emotions. All he really does is once a year goes and drinks a beer alone. Yeah. That's his way of dealing with it. And he's not doing anything more. And then when we go and meet Maka, the owl witch, it's this big thing about how they're going to go into that the house that she lives in. And it's yeah. all spooky and scary. And when you get there, she's not this big villain. She's kind of a, just a a sadish, not even sad, just a grandma sitting there. Yeah. Being relatively quiet. And we learned that this was all just her misguided attempt to help. To get her son back, yeah. To, um, To take away his grief. Yes. She just wanted him to feel better, but she took everything away in not acknowledging his, his grief. Yeah. And also she is kind of a a victim of this thinking herself because she is partially stone at this point. Yeah, that was really interesting. So she's doing the same thing. She's bottling up these emotions and she's literally not feeling half Mm -hmm. of her feelings because everything's, again, literally bottled up. So the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, I'm clever seeing all these things. And then I'm like, oh, they're literally bottling emotions. I'm not, I didn't read that much into it. It's right there. (laughs) (laughs) 
But then it kind of uh, gets into that, um, those generational differences sometimes, because we are of, well, many of us at least, uh, people who are like us at least, are of that generation (laughs) where we think it's important to address your emotions, to address that sort of trauma. And many people of our age might be coming from families where, no, you don't do that. You Mm -hmm. repress that. And it's kind of a a process of of learning, of learning how to deal with trauma or grief and how to process. How to like properly feel your emotions, I Mm -hmm. guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The idea that Maka was not able to take away her son's pain is like, yeah, you can't help like you can help someone through their grief or their pain or whatever, but you can't take it from them. Well, I think what she does is she does take it. Yeah. But in doing so, she ends that relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know there's a a bunch of people that we know would be like, yeah, mom, right now. Because they're like, yeah, that's what my mom does. Uh, That's a very uh, present thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, similarly, Saoirse wasn't allowed to be who she is. Because it's a constant reminder of her mother and of that grief. Yes. And that's why she lacks that connection to her uh, to her past. Yeah. And Connor goes, full no mom. Yeah. We're just going to have no mom. That's, that's we're not going to talk about her. We're not going to do anything. It's just no mom in our house. <laughs> and then hiding the coat and that, which has been hidden away this entire time. Yes. And then eventually throwing it away is him not dealing with that grief or of the loss of his wife. But it's also about cutting off that link to the cultural history and in the movie to the fairy world. Yeah. Another thing that I found really interesting was that Ben is now talking to Coop. Is that his name? Coo. Coo. Um, as if he was almost like a parent. Like, look, I'm drawing this person and because he's he this big. Because no he has nobody to talk to. Yeah. And so he's turned to his dog, who is basically the size of a human, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think he's uh, kind of turned almost inwards and um, only talks to the only person who won't, like, let him down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so sad. It's super his... sad. Maybe we'll just talk about Ben a little bit sure. at the end. because. You know, I know I won't even say it because okay. we'll talk about it there, but absolutely I agree with you. And then as the movie goes on, Sirsha has that newfound link to her mother and her culture. And when she plays the song on the um like that conch, it defeats Maka. And by defeat, it makes her cry and deal with her emotions. Mm-hmm. That's how you defeat Maka. Yeah. That's ooh. to break through that icy layer. Mm-hmm. Wow. Of stone. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> this, this movie, you can watch it on a very surface level and be like, oh, that was a lovely movie and I really enjoyed it. And then you get into the really deep stuff and you're like, oh, this movie is a it's lot heavy. heavier heavy. than you realize. But it's heavy in such a good way that mm-hmm. is still accessible to to people of all ages. Oh, absolutely. Right? It feels like healthy heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Movies like this I love because sometimes you'll say like, oh, I didn't even get all of those things from the movie. But you did. You just didn't always um, articulate it in the way a a film nerd like myself does. (laughs) You do sometimes help me. Well, all the time, pretty much. uh, Like articulate some of the things that I like really enjoy about these movies that we watch. 
But I think this movie is so good because even if you don't say, oh, it's a link between this and this, yeah. those themes are still there. Yeah. And if you are a 10-year-old kid who is dealing with similar stuff, you are still getting the same lessons, even if you're not seeing how the writer-director is mm -hmm. making you get there. Yeah. I think I'm just able to see what the writer's doing. Right. While we are all feeling what the writer's doing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So eventually, Saoirse plays the song on her conch, which is, again, a nice circular thing, yeah. and a <laughs> link to her mom, but still not talking at this point, and it saves slash defeats Maka and now Maka can grieve and also go to her son to reverse the previous action mm -hmm. and that's about getting that kind of um that restoration of that relationship about Maka realizing that someone else being able to see my grief and what that does for me mm -hmm. and now I will in turn return the favor and hopefully start that generational healing now yeah absolutely Whoa, man. This movie is uh, its a whole thing. It is a whole thing. <laughs> well, maybe we should just talk about Ben because yeah. he's simultaneously the least interesting character mm -hmm. and also such a good character. Yeah, he represents a lot and at the same time, like you said, is not the central person in this plot, but everything that happens in this movie for him it makes him a better character. Does that make any sense? It does, but I think <laughs> I might disagree that he's not the central person. I think it is all about him in a way or another. And I think if you were to be one of those people who loves to have the, the crazy theories of like, none of this is real, it all happened in his yeah. mind, it would be his mind that this is all yes. happening in. So it, he starts off as... Um, Oh, one of the the most heartbreaking things is watching it the second time and seeing him start off with, I'm going to be the best brother ever, yeah. and she's going to be my best friend. And then we have the tragedy and fast forward to him essentially blaming his sister for his mom's disappearance mm -hmm. and being constantly angry and frustrated with her. And you're just so sad because of all the the hope he had for yeah. this relationship when he was younger. Yeah. And the, the message that his mom's like, you have to protect her mm -hmm. and like, you're her big brother and you need to make sure that she's going to be okay. And yeah, you get this Ben six years later, who's angry and alone and he's not being the best big brother. <laughs> I think you could say that Ben's, journey in this it is part of um regaining your culture but he didn't lose it nearly as much so i think no. his biggest journey maybe is becoming a brother mm -hmm. and that might pair with him becoming someone who is able to reunite in general to mm -hmm. heal in general because he is the agent of change for his father to start learning to grieve yeah he's the agent of change that links Searsha with her past because he literally teaches her the mm -hmm. song. So he is learning to become a, the brother he said he would be at yeah, one point. He promised his And mom. he is learning to, to heal mm -hmm. everyone because he seems like the one that is the only person that kind of has emotions at the beginning of this movie. True, yeah. And it's childlike and... We might kind of think of him as like almost like a bratty kid at yeah. the beginning. Well, after after his mother's death. 
because of how he's treating his sister. But he pouts, he cries, he gets really excited about certain things, he gets really angry about certain things, but no one else can communicate with him. Searsha can't talk to him. Yeah. In, in the literal sense. I think she's trying to to have a bond, but yeah. he's not capable of seeing that at this point. His mother isn't there anymore, mm-hmm. and he has no idea why. His father refuses to acknowledge what he's saying, and his grandmother is the same way. And that leaves him with Ku, who is his most functional relationship, and it's yeah. with a dog who literally can't speak because he's a dog. Yeah. So he has these emotions, and they seem so typical. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I guess he's, what, 12-ish? 11, 12, something like that. Yeah. And to say that, oh, he's angry at his sister, and he's angry about this, that just seems so normal. But in this world, it is not, because nobody else is giving their emotions any sort of voice. Mm-hmm. I thought he was, like, nine. Because oh, I thought okay, he was, like, a toddler when his... Uh, Oh, yeah, Mom he seems died. like four, like, he maybe. He seemed like he was like three or four, and then plus six. So he'd be like three years older than Sersha. Yeah. That seems about right. And I like that he um, puts on his hero cape and his 3D glasses when yeah. he needs to be brave, which is a thing that we see in a lot of movies and a lot of children. Yeah. That's like a real thing that absolutely, often happens. Absolutely. And I think we carry that into adulthood as well. Yeah. And like we may not acknowledge it as much. But you but have outfits like, you feel powerful in, yeah, right? More and, confident. And like just dressing up. Like that old saying of like, dress for the job you want. You like, dress for the person you want to be. Yeah, I kept showing up for interviews wearing baseball gear and people are like, why are you doing that? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for taking that literally. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I love those things because... They don't actually do anything, Mm -hmm. right? They don't give him actual superpowers. While in a lot of movies like this, they would. They would have a magical element. And there are magical elements in this. Yes. But they would have something with, now with this, I can do this. Yeah. And that's not the case in this movie. And that's something that I complain about in so many movies. (laughs) You do. (laughs) But here, it is him. Yeah. It is his own strength. Sure, he's using those things to bolster his own confidence, mm-hmm. but it is him doing these things. It is his bravery and not magic that makes him do it. Right. I also kind of like that it's 3D glasses because maybe he's the only one that can see both worlds. Right. right? He sees... Yeah. That might just be me seeing too much into it, but I kind of like it. I loved the idea that only the kids can access this world because I love that um, theme throughout like folklore and that kind of thing of um or even just like paranormal stuff of like kids being more susceptible and like closer to the veil than adults who have no imagination left or like the inability to be that imaginative definitely and i think it goes with all the stuff we were saying earlier about their um, severing that link with their culture too, right? Those kind of things go together mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that 
Ben has this uh, relationship with water, and uh, everyone in this movie does, but he has a fear of water, which makes sense because to him, that's probably what killed his mom in his right. mind. Yeah. And at the beginning, when Saoirse walks into the water, he's like, no, you can't go in there. I'm not going to follow you. I refuse. And then Koo pulls him in, and he feels like he's drowning, but then Saoirse just walks up, and he's in six inches of water. Yeah. <laughs> so he has this fear of water, which is then a link with his um his mourning i guess he's never mm-hmm. gotten over the death of his mom and he's constantly in a state of mourning because no one will acknowledge his grief or theirs and then when the grandmother takes him away from the lighthouse to the city that's her taking him from the water mm-hmm. from this condition of mourning and forcing him into something more regimented in the city but you can't do that just like maka can't do that successfully when in doing something like that, you just you crush the spirit, right? Yeah. You're not actually dealing with anything. Yeah, exactly. And then at the climax of the movie, when Saoirse looks like she's near death and they're in the little boat with their father, Ben takes off his life jacket and jumps into the water to save his sister. And in doing that, he's effectively addressing all of those fears of grief and in- and abandonment head on for the good of his sister. And mm-hmm. he's realized his promise to be that big brother to look out for her. And he's also, of course, going down literally to get the coat to relink her <laughs> yeah. with um, with her culture. And also uh, saving his father because it was his actions of, of throwing this away, cutting her off from her mother that mm-hmm. have gotten them into this situation. And then, of course... He does that, puts the coat on her, and she speaks for the first time. And her first word is Ben. Yeah, that was such a beautiful moment. I um, definitely got a little, like, emotional when we were watching that because that's such a sweet, like, she hugs him and she's like, Ben, I need Ben. (laughs) And somebody finally needs him. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And he finally is able to be that big brother that he promised his mom he would be. And he's the only one that doesn't really have a double in the fairy world. Mm-hmm. I guess because he's the one that goes into both worlds. I was thinking it was because, yeah, he's like rooted in reality. And in the fairy world. He's the one that's willing to go. Yes. He's the only, uh, I don't know, mortal or whatever yeah. you call that can go in there. Yeah, human child. Because he has that link, maybe because of the stories that he... Oh, yeah, he's writing down all of those stories. He's drawing the pictures. So that's how he still has a link to his culture and in this movie into the fairy world. Mm -hmm. And just like in a lot of movies like um, like Moana and so many others (laughs) that the journey into an underworld is often a journey into one's self. Yes. The underworld is a uh, mirror image of that. And he's dealing with his own issues. But we're seeing it in the movie as dealing with an underworld. Mm hmm. I'm sure there's all sorts of other fun hints and metaphors. And if you were versed in Irish folklore, there's probably so much more. But I think that's mainly what I saw in it. So maybe we should just end there. Yeah. Any final thoughts on Song of the Sea? Um, I really enjoyed it. And I think, like I said earlier, um, 
I think you can watch this movie on a surface level and have a great time and absolutely love it and maybe not like get as deep into it as we did. And I think that that is okay. That's a great way to watch this movie. But I also think that if you're like willing to and you can do it, you can get so much deeper into this movie and it becomes such a beautiful kind of allegory for so many things. Absolutely. I feel like we say that with all of the movies that I think are just like <laughs> truly great, uh-huh. you can watch it on all of those levels and you're not wrong or something for right. watching it yeah. on one and not the not the other because they are all working in concert with each other. Mm-hmm. And just because you're not digging into something, yeah. it doesn't mean you're not still getting a lot from it. Yeah. And that's what all of these all the good movies, that's what they are. They are a metaphor often for mm-hmm. something deeper. And our brain doesn't always need to acknowledge what it's doing to yeah. still get that benefit. Yeah. And then it's just a good story. It's super cute. And it's so beautifully animated. I feel like I don't have any more wrap up to say than what <laughs> I'd... I'll just be repeating myself. But I love those themes of... Uh, dealing with grief and loss and then the strength that you get from being connected with your family and with your culture. Absolutely. Great in both this and Moana, which was a a couple episodes ago, if you want to go listen to that and you missed it. But I think that wraps up our talk on Song of the Sea. Mm -hmm. If somehow you haven't seen it yet, go Mm -hmm. uh, watch it. Go watch it, yeah. You can borrow my copy if you want. It's pretty good. And we'll see you next week when we go back to school. Oh, yeah. It's back to school time. It's September uh, or just about September. And it's time to start thinking about the classroom again. So oh, no. We are going to have... Oh, that hurts my stomach, even I though know. I'm not in school I know, anymore. Right? Like, so it's, many years. I still kind of consider September to be more of a like New Year refresh than actual New Year's. Oh, definitely. Like, I, I need to go buy September a planner is the this start week. Of the year. Yeah. I'm going to reorganize my office a little bit so that I'm like, even though I'm not like starting anything new in the next couple of weeks, it, it still feels like, yeah, I need to like get everything organized. I need to be ready for this like refresh. And then you're going to pick that back to school movie, Back to School, starring Rodney Dangerfield, right? I am not. Aren't you a huge Rodney Dangerfield fan? I don't even really know who he is. Oh, that's a shame. Sorry. Oh, of course, you are going to do your favorite movie that you won't stop talking about, Porky's. Oh my God, I knew you were going to say that. No, we're not doing Porky's. We're not doing Rodney Dangerfield. Um, But we will have two spoiler-free things of the Fortnite that are school-related. And then we are also going to be finding out what I am picking for our first back to school watch of the year. Bye everyone. And see you next week.